You are watching Gooch Live featuring Paul Rosen. That is not Paul Rosen. Unfortunately, Rosie can't make today. He will be back tomorrow with us. It's been brought to you by the good people at the Hockey News. Hello, Graham. And, of course, Sports Illustrated. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, buddy? I know you're going to say powered by Paramount Sports Management. Thank you for that. Uh, What a great show. Listen, we've got Mike Gartner. Oh, my God. The kid could fly. Like, he, he still can fly. And I know we're bringing up a special guest. He doesn't know about it, so don't tell him. Uh, that's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, World of Sports, uh, I know we're still reeling over the fact that the NWHL uh, has shut down. Obviously, what a what a disappointment. We understand why. For the ladies, it would have been a great opportunity for them to be on uh, television, NBC, of course. Uh, your thoughts on, on that? Is there anything um, uh, other that you've heard, or is that? It's, it's obviously because of COVID. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad because they've taken another hit uh, once again based on what happened, uh, the women's leagues sh- shutting down uh, within two years ago, I think it was, and then they were yeah. springboard to get this on. I think they were supposed to return to play one of their games at the uh, MSG this year, so that was also postponed due to their COVID thing. So that would have been a great uh, thing for them, but hopefully they can bounce back after COVID. Now, I know before we get uh, Garts up here, we don't want to be, uh, we want to hear about it. What Does he like the uh, Canadian division? Does he like the Montreal Canadiens this year? Does he like the Toronto Maple Leafs? Who's his favorite team? All that sort of stuff. But before we get there, obviously, we have to just touch upon it. Uh, the NHL is going to have to do something with this COVID situation. Obviously, my good friend, I use that, uh, you know, name dropping. <laughs> I actually played with him in junior. Ralph Kruger has just been diagnosed with a positive test. Uh, he is the coach of Buffalo. You know, they've shut that that down. I'll tell you what, little concern. I hope, I hope this goes away. So that's enough on that. Let's get the reason why you are here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are so excited to have this gentleman join us, Mike Gartner. Mr. Gartner hey, how are you doing, Perry? Well, how are you guys doing? Nice seeing you again. Any anytime, Mike, we can talk hockey, and anytime we can talk to uh, you, uh, just makes the show that much better. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of it. First round draft pick with, of course, those Washington Capitals, boo, uh, fourth overall, uh, which is fantastic. And then, of course, as uh, the boys would say, uh, you got lucky and you came to Toronto. Well, yes, I mean that's true. There was a there was a little bit of time in between there, Carrie, as you know, before I finally got to my uh, my hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it was a uh, it was a lot of fun playing in Washington and the year I played in Minnesota, and then obviously for the Rangers before I finally made it to Toronto. But for a kid growing up in in Ontario and Barrie, Ontario, and then playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously a huge thrill. Well. I know that I've got a special guest coming on in a bit. Uh, you don't know who it is yet, but I'm just going to give you a little tip. I think I didn't go to the Flyers. Uh, listen, I want to read some stuff off here. 1993, you set the record at 13.51. Uh, is that in a car driving the 60 or what was that, the 13.51? That is fast. 
Well, it was not too bad. Now, it was on uh, what I would consider a fairly slow track at the old Montreal Forum once around. And, um, you know, 30 is 36 years old. So, I mean, Kerry, somebody had to beat it. One of these young guys had to beat that record, didn't they? At some no, point? Listen, absolutely. But listen, it was in your 17th season. It wasn't like you were just a fresh rookie. You came out in the 17th. It was 1996. I think it was the super skill competition. Uh, you broke your own record, which is crazy. And then you set the record for the fastest skater event with a time of 13.386. Thank you, Val, for all these numbers. Versus the flying Russian, I guess you want to call it. Can't call him a flying freshman. Sergei Fedorov. Wow. It was fun. I mean, those, those uh, fastest skating competitions were kind of fun. I mean, at one point they did it where they had competitions within each team and then guys who won their, uh, their team kind of went to the all-star game and it was, it was that way. And then they did it with just the all-stars, which is, seems to be how it, how it ended up with, uh, with just the all-stars doing it. But yeah, it was, it was kind of a fun thing. I mean, the skills competition is, is like a hit and miss type of, deal and uh it was always fun with the uh you know kind of doing that well our producer uh uh val along with our new assistant producer james clubbine they have put this together how quickly val has got this what that was not a young uh mike gardner there he's in a boston jersey watch this well just trying to accelerate around the corners i mean that's the that's the key and stay low and keep pumping it there was no secret to it. And stay on your skates. Look at that. You know, when you watch that, I had to do this also at an old age in Hanover, Germany. They had a big celebrity, you know, all the boys come back. I think I was, I don't know, 43 or something like that. And they didn't have the padding on the sides. You know, now they do. Were you not a little bit nervous? Because I, I slowed down going around the nets because all I needed to do was do a toe pick and boom, you slide. And you weren't wearing a helmet either. So go no, you, know, you know what happens too is everybody gets doing it. And I was the last skater, I think, Peter Bonder and I, in, in that uh, clip that you showed, we were the last skaters. And so a bunch of guys had already gone around. And so it gets a little chewed up around the corners. Yeah. And you kind of know that. And you don't know whether you're going to catch a rut or – and so you're, you want to accelerate, but at the same time, you want to stay in your skates. And you do get going pretty quick down there, and you have to make a fairly tight turn. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, before we bring up uh, our special guest, uh, I want to go through a couple things on the right-hand side. I don't know if you can see them, but there's a bunch of people joining us, so I just want to do shout-outs and ask some of the questions. Obviously, David, thank you for joining us. All the way from Melbourne, Australia, our good friend Aaron Kuzak. Listen, from New Zealand. Keora, that means hello in in uh, Maori language. That's fantastic. I think you'll know this name, Rick Wharton, uh, Lorelai Adlam, uh, are saying hi to you. Of yeah, course, thank you awesome. for joining us, guys. People have um, known for a long time. That's great. Awesome. Great that great that they're saying hello. Great skater. That goes without saying. Well, we know that. Uh, we've seen that many times. Dennis Marouk. The 60 gold man, great to have you on and obviously uh, supporting your old colleague here. Say hi to one of the greatest NHL wingers. I enjoyed playing in Washington with him, class act, and watching his dedication to the game increased my playing ability. Please give Mike and his family. Dennis, we don't have to. You're live right in front of us. Thank you for such a great uh, compliment to our buddy Gertz. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And Denny was a great uh, a great teammate. And anybody that could score fifty goals one year, sixty goals the next year, 
I mean, Denny was was someone that was uh, in 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 and of himself a, a great goal scorer himself. Yeah, listen, uh, David Carlson, he's always on our show. He's he's a longtime listener. Uh, a, a lot of comments come from him. He's not a, the first time caller. You know, you love to say that. Uh, he's asking, he asks everybody this, what hollow do you have on the blades? He is a skate sharpener. So he's asking, uh, I used to own a skate shop. Okay, so I have some good, uh, I'll give you the quick answer. It's a half inch, yeah. which is a pretty flat sharpen. Um, but I had a bit of a, I was a little picky with my skates and especially with my blades. So um, my skate, I, I wanted my skates as flat as I could get them with still having an edge because I always felt like the more you dug into the ice, the, the more friction there was, you just wouldn't go as fast. And so you gave up a little bit of a, a bite when you needed to stop really, really quickly, for instance, coming into the offensive zone, but I thought you picked it up on the high end. And I also like to have a, a lot of blade on the ice. So um, I would I would change the steel in my in my skates probably about every two weeks. So some guys like to have a real steep rock around the edges, but I like the real flat blade. So I would in order to do that because you have to sharpen them so much they uh, they get rockered um, unintentionally. And I like to have a very flat blade, so I, I changed it every two weeks. So anyway, just a little bit of uh, an insight on uh, on how I like my skates anyway. All right, all the way from Tasmania, Australia. Good eye, mate, uh, from Tassie. I love all these guys and all their languages all across the world. I know oh, Tobias. Awesome. Yeah, Tobias. Toby's joining us uh, from Germany. Uh, listen, I wanted to say, obviously, I know you're a very humble gentleman, but uh, not only a Hockey Hall of Famer, we'll get into that in a few minutes. 1,432 games in the National Hockey League, 708 goals, and we know why that's significant today. 627 assists for 1,335 points. Mike, Gartz, those are impressive, kid. Impressive. Well, thanks, Kerry. How, uh, how do you feel about listening to those type of numbers now? They, they're, they're yeah, it amazing. seems. I mean, sometimes with uh, with my career, it feels like it was yesterday. And I, you know, I, I you start telling stories, and you you're kind of into it, and you kind of remember all these things. And other times, it feels like it was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, when I started playing, I mean, I came in as a as a player that uh, was considered a good two way hockey player. Could obviously skate and shoot the puck, but um, I really didn't come in as a as a big goal scorer. I kind of developed into that in Washington just because we needed some help scoring goals. And I was put in that position and, and was able to kind of develop. Uh, I always said that my uh, my hands caught up to my legs about my third or fourth year pro. And after that, it kind of all came together pretty well. You know, my, uh, my hands and uh, skating ability came when they took the red line out and it gave me five years longer in Germany, for God's sakes. Had Not so bad. With anything other than that. Hey, listen, Gart's uh, first goal and hat trick in Phoenix history. Hey, how about that? Can't even remember it. And that was that wasn't that that wasn't that long ago. That was at the uh, the old America West Arena. So, you know, we're. We're a new we're a new team, right? With uh, with Phoenix moving from Winnipeg into Phoenix, and I can still remember that first press conference. Chris King and I and uh, Shane Doan, I think, was there, and we had we had these heavy, heavy, heavy Phoenix uh, Coyotes jerseys that they made. Now they're kind of a retro, cool look now, but they were about three layers thick, and I and we're wearing them at the press conference in the middle of the summer in Arizona. 
And I'm thinking it's hot now. This thing, this jersey is going to be really hot by the time we get cooking in it, which which it was. But the America West Arena, once again, I don't know if anybody knows when we first played there, the two years that we played there, it was built for basketballs. And so one end, you could not, the people that were in the stands in the one end uh, on the on the second level could not see the net because right. it was it was too short. So yeah. you could see everybody as soon as the play kind of came in towards the net, they'd all look up and they they had this big huge screen there that they could see the uh, see that net, but you just couldn't see what was going on underneath you. But it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and and we sold out almost every game in Phoenix, which is so difficult to kind of watch it now where the rink in uh, in Glendale. I know they're trying to change that. But when we were there the first couple of years, you couldn't get a ticket to come and watch the Phoenix Coyotes yeah. play. It was it was great. And so I think if they if they do eventually move it over to, into the East Valley somewhere, I think it'll really uh, it'll really pay off for them to do that. Well, listen here, uh, obviously, 19 NHL seasons, 15 consecutive 30 plus goal seasons. Incredible. Before I bring our special guest up, there is a comment that I think is very important that you need to read. So Mike and his wife, Colleen, were around the Teen Ranch Canada when Corey and I got married. She literally told me that my bridesmaid dresses were her favorite of all time. And Mike was great to us too. Obviously we lost uh, Mel this year. I know how big of a, or last year, uh, how big of a loss that is to all of us. But to Joanne and Corey Nielsen, we love you. Uh, they, he played with me in Germany. And, of course, I know that you've seen them at the Teen Ranch. Oh, all the time. They're wonderful people. I love them. I love uh, I love the whole Stevens family and extended family and all the people at Team Ranch that have played a, a beautiful part in our life. And uh, it's, it's a ministry uh, just um, northwest of Toronto. And... They do riding. They do hockey programs. They've uh, they've attended to a lot of national teams. They uh, that's where you've had an association, Carrie, with them. Uh, they have an association with a lot of people in Australia and in different areas. And uh, Mel, the uh, the founder of Teen Ranch, uh, passed away this last year. was a was a great friend and a mentor. Uh, and him and Betty were were big parts of uh, of our lives. And and Tim and Ann and and the and the whole Stevens family. Uh, Mel will be a will be very missed, and he's made a great impact on my life. Well, you and I—you may not recall it, but we used to drive out there. I think seven o'clock in the morning. We had those skates with all the boys, and I really miss that uh, time. Listen, uh, we had a special guest. Uh, I know you know who it is. I'm just joking. A Philadelphia Flyers. He's not wearing his. I told him no Flyers. If he comes on, Carrie. If he comes on with that Philadelphia Flyers jersey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to come through the screen and get him. Chuck Cassidy, what's going on, kid? <laughs> Look at you, Chuck. I mean, Chuck, you know that you would love to be wearing a Philadelphia Flyers jersey right now. You know it. You'd love you to. You know, I, I think you were abused in your time with the caps and and the and the blue shirt skirts because, like, you know, Philadelphia is a, a class organization. And I know, like, during the alumni game in 2012 when you were down there, like the Philly fans just loved you. So like, you know what? I, I have nothing against the Philly fans uh, or, or Philly itself. It was great because in Philly was a lot like New York when, when, um, when you were, you knew that if, if they were on you, you were doing something right. True. Which was great. Yeah. Tough fans though. I'm, I'm a little afraid Tough to fans, get but, but the fair. Yeah. And I'm a Flyers fan. So. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, really. We knew that. We did know that. Sorry, we're going to get you to talk. There's lots of questions coming in here. So I'm going to let you get in a, a question right now because obviously you're listening to Gooch Live right here. And we've got 
Mike Gardner. Oh my God. Chuck. I know. I was um I was lucky enough to watch Mike play in his rookie year. My dad was in the armed forces and we were stationed at the embassy in DC. And we grew up across the Potomac in a little uh, town called Vienna, Virginia, just outside of McLean and Fairfax. And uh, I remember like the, the glass was really small back then at the old cap center, Mike. And I know I've told you this story a million times, but uh, this was one of my very first, it was my very first professional hockey game. My dad took me down and it was a rookie year and you were uh, coming in during hockey warmups and you took a slap shot, I think it was on Dave Perrell. And uh, you broke your stick in half and still got on net. My dad looked at you and he looked at me and said, see that guy there? Like, watch him. He's going to be a real star. Like, you just wait and see. And my dad, you know, he could pick him. So there you were. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I remember back in those days too, Chuck, they, uh, the, the Caps, we, we struggled early in that franchise. And, and then we're able to right the ship and become a, a, become a pretty good hockey team and a successful franchise. But that old Cap Center... Now, you as a goalie, because Chuck and I played a little bit of hockey after I had retired uh, together. And um, can you imagine it as a goalie at the Cap Center? It was dark in there, right? Yeah. Like the seats were dark. And I think that goalies sometimes had, had trouble picking that puck up. Yeah, the shadows in there weren't, weren't good at all. I, again, I think it was more of a, a bullets uh, venue than it was a hockey venue back then or more for concerts as well. But, um, I, I mean, they were they were tough years. I mean, the, the – the game I saw you play that day, you guys put a beating on the Islanders. I think it was like five to two, one of your few wins that year as well. And I remember crying because I was a Flyers fan. And I wanted to see the Capitals lose. <laughs> and I thought for sure my dad got these tickets and for sure we'd watch you lose and you guys, you know, pull it out. And I don't know, I'd have to go back and look and see how many points you got that night. But obviously you you, know, you probably had a hand in five goals or so. So, Well, I'm glad to disappoint you that night. <laughs> And I could see that it didn't discourage you being a lifetime Flyers fan, though. No. Well, speaking of disappointment, I want to ask you, because obviously tonight's the big night that Alex Ovechkin's uh, knocking on your door for 708 goals. Uh, and he's been chasing that down. You and I had this conversation back last spring when he was stuck at 48, uh, just before uh, we were going to have you on the show and talk about that then. And obviously COVID hit and stuck uh, Ovechkin in the pause button with everybody else, and he didn't make 50 goals that season. If he would have got 50, uh, he would have tied your record. There you go with Alex there, the great eight. Next yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that at your uh, your your jersey retirement ceremony there, Garth? Yeah, I think it was, uh, which was back in I think December December two thousand and eight, I believe. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. want you to tell that story about uh, your son Dylan as well, because obviously this is a big night. You and Jarvie go down there and you know, the whole night's all about you. They're gonna hoist number eleven to the rafters and you know, Alex is there and everyone's all about you. And, and what ended up happening? Well, I had my whole family down there and everything. And I knew that my son, Dylan, was a huge uh, Capitals fan and a huge Alex Ovechkin fan. And and so um, he just kept on asking me, Dad, are we going to get a chance to see Obi? Are we going to get a chance to see Obi? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we are. So we get down to the dressing room and, you know, introduce him to Obi. And uh, Dylan will tell you now, honestly, he had a great weekend watching his dad's number get uh, retired. But he also had a great, a great weekend uh, getting to know Alex Ovechkin and, and meeting him for the first time, uh, his, his, his hero. So it was, uh, it was great. And Alex, you know, to our family as well, was so gracious. And to our friends, Wes and Darlene Jarvis were down there as, as well. And uh, as our extended family, and as I said, he was he was just so gracious as the whole Washington Capitals organization uh, was. But it's it's great now 
that Alex is obviously going to pass my record. He's, he's going to pass some other uh, great goal scorers records and it might pass everybody's record at some point. But I mean, I'm going to fall maybe tonight. And uh, next in line is Mar is Phyllis Bazito and then Marcel Dion and not too far. Maybe Brett Hull is a stretch for this year, but maybe not, depending on how hot Ovi can get. You know, and then you're and then you're just knocking on the door after that. And um, if anybody could do it, Alex Ovechkin can do it. I'd be happy to you know, continue to talk about it. I don't want to just continue to blabble on. Though. Well, I, I seem to think that you can still play right now, even on a fourth line. I mean, if Mike Huff can score 10 goals in an NHL season, you can get 10 more and beat Espo. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I got to defend Huffer too. Huffer plays Tuesday morning hockey with us still. So, you know, Huffer was a pretty good player in his day. But um, so, I mean, I still do play and I still play now, not not with COVID lately, but uh, we still play a couple of times a week. And it uh, and I still love playing. And I, I've always just liked the competition and just like playing hockey. And and so I still do. Um, and, you know, maybe I could maybe I could play a shift and you wouldn't notice the difference. But I think after a shift or two, you might say, hey, that guy's 61 years old. You know, what's he doing out here? Still got the wheels, Mike. You still got the wheels and everybody. <laughs> well, yes, we've got a lot of comments coming on the right hand side. I can't believe how many texts I'm getting. So I, I know you've got a lot of questions, Chuck. Uh, but let's let's do go to the audience here and get some comments. Uh, I want to do a shout out to Ryan Savin and of course our new uh, uh, assistant producer James. Uh, we put him on the spot. We're putting him right in the hot seat, having Mike Gardner with us. So we're excited to have him be learning through uh, experience. Here, here's a great comment from Craig Campbell. I, I'm sure you know the name from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Hello, Mike. Hopefully we will see you at the Hall of Fame sometime soon. Who was your top defenseman that you recall being the toughest to play against, either uh, in the NHL or, and you had a good international career? Tell us who you felt was the toughest guy to play against. Well, for me, it was, I mean, I played against some tall, the, all the top defensemen of, of my era um, were, were all hard to play against. But the guy that I, I think was the toughest to play against was Dennis Potvin because Dennis, uh, first of all, we played against him so often when I was playing for Washington and again, then again for the Rangers, uh, where we were in the same division. We played, it seemed like, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine, ten games, including playoffs against the New York Islanders. And and Dennis was was a great player. Um, he was also a tough player and he was he was always tough to play against. First of all, I'd be lying up, lining up all the time against Clark Gillies. He'd be playing left wing and it seemed like I played every shift against Clark. And he was tough to play against. And then I finally maybe get through Clark. And next thing I know, I got Dennis Potvin up against me. And then I finally, if I ever beat Dennis, I have Billy Smith. So it was, they were tough to play against. And Dennis was tough to play against. He was, uh, he, he was strong. He was a great player. He was mean when he had to be. Um, and so I, I always, I always enjoyed playing against him because I always had to have my head up and, and be, and be ready to play. But, I'll tell you one one quick story, Kerry, if I could, about Dennis oh, that's and, how, and how tough he is. So we're playing in Long Island, and I'm coming down the my off wing through the neutral zone, and I cut cut over, and I see Dennis going to step up on me. He's going to kill me, right? So I get my stick up, and uh, and I I get my stick up, and he hits me with his shoulder and my stick, and I'm using one of those old Titan turbos. Well, it was like a big chunk of fiberglass, and it didn't break. The, these sticks didn't break. 
And so Dennis hits me and I go down and he goes down and, uh, you know, I, I look up, the referee's got his hand up. I'm thinking, yeah, I guess so, Dennis, you're getting a penalty. He says, Gartner, you got a penalty for cross-checking. I said, you got to be kidding me. So I go in the penalty box, and as I'm going to the penalty box, I, my hand's killing me. So I get in the penalty box, and I look down at my glove, and my glove is all soaked in blood. So I take my glove off, and my, my thumb is kind of half ripped off from one side to the other. And Dennis Potvin hit me so hard and my stick didn't break that the pressure kind of ripped a, ripped half my thumb off. So I got the attention of the referee and uh, the whistle blew and I had to go into the dressing room. So I go into the dressing room and I go in and the doctor takes a look at it. And I said, can you stitch me up? So he stitches me up and I said, can you put some freezing in that? It's really killing me. And he said, okay. So he put some freezing in it and I go out on the ice and I try it. And I mean, I can't barely hold my stick. It's just, it's, it's so sore. Right. Yeah. So uh, next shift, I go back into the uh, dressing room and I say to the doctor again, I, you got to put some more freezing in this because you know, it's killing me. So he puts some more freezing in it. Well, I go back out. Well, doesn't, doesn't my whole hand go numb, right? I can't even feel anything. So I said, ah, the heck with it. So I went in the dressing room. That was the end of that game. But, uh, but, but that's how tough Dennis Potvin was. And I wish the Titan Turbo would have broken at that time, but unfortunately it didn't. Yeah. Well, listen, you're watching Gooch Live featuring Paul Rosen. Uh, we are here because of the hockey news and, of course, Sports Illustrated. And we're with legendary Mike Gartner. Listen, Mike, I'm going to ask you one more question on the side here. Uh, any Cincinnati Stingers WHA stories you'd like to pass on to our crowd? Well, Cincinnati was a, I mean, back in the WHA days, which I played in when I was 18 years old, because it was a 20 year old NHL draft at the time. And, uh, and so I went down and played, uh, Wayne Gretzky was started off with Indianapolis, ended up with Edmonton. Um, and then there were a bunch of guys that were playing Rob Ramage and Craig Hartsburg and, uh, uh, Michelle Goulet, uh, Rick Vive were playing down in Birmingham. And so also who I was playing with is Mark Messier. So Mark was 17 and I was uh, 18 years old. And we had, we had a lot of fun playing. It was a great stepping stone between there and the, and the NHL. And Cincinnati was a really good hockey town. And uh, we're, we were all disappointed that we weren't one of those four teams that got uh, brought into the NHL at that time. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my time in in Cincinnati, I had some some great teammates. I was just actually talking with Barry Melrose not not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. We've been on some Zoom calls doing uh, different things, and so it was great to get a chance to uh, to see Barry Melrose, somebody I played with, and Dave Forbes and Chuck Luxa, and then obviously Mike Lute I played with, Mike, Michelle Dion, and uh, and Robbie Fatorik was there. We, I mean, I have some great memories from uh, from that time in Cincinnati. <clears throat> There's the team. How about that? Uh, were you sporting the mustache back then? No, no. I don't think I could have grown one back then, but maybe not. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to talk to you about your um, – one of the things everyone knows about Mike Gartner is, is you're, you're calm under pressure. You're an assassin with that stick of yours. I know you can talk all day about you know not finding a good stick these days compared to what you play with as well. But uh, for the kids that are watching as well, like uh, you have some really great insight into how you slow the, the game down. Uh, there was a great movie that Gabe Polsky put on uh, called uh, In Search of Greatness. And he talks about the great ones really being able to slow the play down. Uh, and you've always had that really intellectual take to the game. Uh, you're a highly intelligent player and, and your hockey sense is off the chart as well. But 
what do you do uh, inside of your own life that you can kind of slow things down? Uh, you have fun. Uh, you're very playful and you're able just to slow the play down a lot and then let your natural goal scoring instinct just kind of kick in and just take care of business. Well, you know what I think one of the keys is, is, is preparation. And um, I always took preparation very seriously and, and worked, worked very hard in the off season, worked hard in practice, worked hard away from the game. Um, tried to keep a balance in, in my life. Uh, um, as, as a Christian athlete and, uh, in my faith being very much a central, central part of, uh, of who I am and still who I am, um, and trying to keep things in perspective, but also trying uh, to be very prepared so that when you get into the competition and it gets faster and the game gets faster and you've, you've done all the preparation, we often said, uh, you know, you don't want to be thinking a lot on the ice and, Really, that just breaks down to, to preparation. It means that you've prepared so you actually don't have to think. You just have to continue to react to the game. You just let your nat natural instincts take over and you try to not put yourself in those, those panic situations uh, because the game gets easier every, every row you get away from the game. So a good friend of mine, Wes Jarvis, once said, you know, what playing in the NHL is like, it's like playing in the top drawer of your dresser. It is so congested out there on the ice. When you get down at ice level, and all you guys have, have played hockey at, at a lot of different levels, you know that uh, that it does not look the same way at ice level as it does to, at camera level. And so when you're on the ice, it, it happens very fast. When you're, one, when you're one step back from the ice, if you're a coach, it happens just a little bit slower because you're standing on top of the bench. When you're in the third row, the game's a little slower. By the time you get up to the press box, it is like it's in slow motion up there and you can see everything. But uh, that's why I say that it is, it, it's very much um, a perspective that, uh, that once you're down on the ice, you need to remain calm because there's a lot happening out there. You know, I think as a professional, I think that's one of the most important things you can tell kids is just you know, preparation is just so important. You know, it's about doing, like you said, the word balance. Uh, and I mean, like, you're still in insanely great shape right now with great wheels uh, and hands that I can never stop as well. You have that one backhand move that you kind of go upstairs on my own, my blocker, and I just can't stop that that play as well. But I wanted to talk about, uh, you mentioned faith as well. And obviously, we all know that you're a man of faith, but uh, I, I wanted you to speak a little bit to um, people that are watching as well. Obviously, you have your faith as well, and it's important to have something that works for you as well. That's worked for you since you've been a young man uh, and it served you well your entire career and life off ice with balance as well. So how important is that to have you, your faith working for you and having that community of people around you um, that off the ice uh, makes all the difference in balance? Well, it's it's essential. It's, it's who I am. Um... It, you know, when it's when a player or when any, anyone, um, you know, the, we talk about the preparation, all things that you have to do. So as an athlete, you're prepared uh, physically. You have to be you have to be in great shape. You have to work on your craft. You have to do what you can physically. There's mental coaches now that that help people and help athletes um, with the mental part of the game, because it is a very important uh, part of the game. We, we have nutrition coaches. We have strength coaches. We have, we have everybody that's helping us in every every different way, but we as humans also have a spiritual dimension, and um, I think it's important to 
to tap into that spiritual dimension. And, uh, and for me, I mean, I, I believe as a Christian that that, that is who I am and that, uh, that that faith is, uh, is central to, uh, to what's necessary and what, where you can get peace in life. Especially, you know, when I look out, I'm looking out over a lake right now, frozen lake at that, but over frozen lake and the, and the beauty of that. And the two things that I've kind of gleaned, uh, not, not as much from hockey, but certainly hockey has been a big part of it, but just throughout other events in my life is just the idea of, of, uh, of having gratitude on, on a daily basis and being thankful and, and having a positive attitude. And so if you have that gratitude and attitude, um, you, we can't control our circumstances, as you know, but we certainly can control uh, how we respond to our circumstances. And, and this is a difficult time that we're all going through, that the world is going through right now. And some people are having, uh, having more difficulty than, difficulties than others, but we're certainly uh, having that kind of difficulty. So it's, it's good to have that grounding. Listen, uh, thank you for the perspective. We've got so many questions going on here. I love it. So I'm going to, Chuck, I'm going to pull some of these uh, comments up. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the transition from wood sticks? We already heard you talk about, obviously, when Dennis, uh, that's a tough question today. Uh, obviously, in the NHL, uh, you know, it has been a big transition. Are you a fan of that? It, did you? I know you've used composite, uh, but have you? Have, do you feel a difference between wood and composite, really? Yeah, you do. Sure, you do. It's a it's a it's a better better product. It's a more modern product. It's a it's a better tool, and and so you you know the guys should be using that. I use wood about half my career, and a little more than half in composite for maybe the last third. Um, and now the composite sticks are actually you know quite a bit different than even than I used. And so uh, guys, for instance, I used a very very stiff hockey stick because I just wanted to be able to feel exactly where the puck was going that the blade didn't open it didn't fly it didn't and and now guys use you know these whippy like 60 and 75 flex sticks where you know i i kind of use that now because i don't want to work as hard anymore you can just let the stick do a little bit of the work so so yes i i love the idea of uh of the more productive sticks now the thing with uh with these new with the new sticks and the flex that they're using right now is they they seem to break a fair amount like because yeah. you get guys breaking sticks. Uh, now we all sticks have always broken. Whether they're wood or composite, really makes no difference. The only stick that doesn't break is a Titan Turbo, and I I don't suggest that you use them. Um, but they uh, they they seem to break because they if they get slashed, which they always do, it creates a, a little weakness in the stick, and then they seem to shatter at very inopportune times. Yeah. Hey, listen, all the way from Brisbane, saying hello. Big Leafs fan. We'll get into the Leafs in a few seconds. Uh, no flyer talk. Listen, uh, <laughs> you are in my NHL 21 ultimate team. And since 10 minutes, I know why you have a 93 speed. All right. Love it. Uh, All right. Favorite Mike Gardner memory is game one, 1994 Campbell conference final versus the Canucks. And Mike lost, loses his stick over the glass and a fan tosses it back to a mid play. I was in the building way up in the grays that night also an overtime winner versus San Jose to four fourth game seven. You remember that? I remember that very well. And uh, we're playing against Vancouver and in, in Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and the puck comes up the right wing boards. And uh, I believe it was Nathan Lafayette just came and just crushed me as I was getting the puck. And so I go down 
and my stick goes flying. And, and so I get up and, and I'm kind of looking around for my stick. I'm going, where's my stick? Where's my stick? And I just happened to catch the eye of the guy in the stands on the other side of the glass. And he's kind of holding my stick and he's going like that. So I look out and the play's going on. And so I kind of motion him. So he throws the stick back over the glass and I can't, I get the stick and just happens. The puck comes to me and I chip it out of the zone. And, you know, it's a, it's, Whistle happens a little bit. Uh, a little bit after that, I go back to the bench, and Bob Stellick was working for the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time, and he goes back over to the the fan who had the and gave him the stick, and and it was all good. It was it was shown on CNN. It was a it was a lot of fun. Pretty unique. Now I, I've heard people say uh, since that time, you know, he should have been penalized for taking a stick back from the stands, and it's like, well, maybe so, but at the time it was pretty cool. Yeah, no question. Here's a great comment. Looks like a very young 61. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> I thought they were talking about me. It's you. We're, we're the same. Oh, I'm sorry, Carrie. You see, I, I just assumed, but that, that could have very well been you. Uh, of course, it was Dean. Derek Luck is coming on. Hey, Lucky. Uh, Mike G was a class guy and oozed humble pie. That, that's no question. There it is. There it is. Look at that. Like I'm looking around. What the heck's going on? Now the guy throws it back over to me. And there's the stick. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good having that. One more question. I know we've got a little, just a little more time. One more question or one more point. And then Chuck, it's you. Uh, Ryan uh, Saban, he has just joined up. He's taking care of all of our videos and helping with social media. And he's so excited to be on. Mike? If you could pick one player from the NHL today to have played with in your career, which one would you choose? And it can't be a Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah, I mean, I would love to play with Connor McDavid. I mean, Connor, I've actually, so I've played, believe it or not, I've actually played with Connor McDavid. So when he was 15 years old, uh, his dad, Brian, and I played uh, played hockey together on, uh, once again, on Tuesday mornings at NTR in, uh, in Newmarket, the rink that Wes Jarvis and I own. And um, I asked Brian, we were having uh, Patrick Brown had put together this hockey night in Barrie to, uh, to help Royal Victoria Hospital up in Barrie, Ontario. And so he invited a, a whole bunch of current players uh, in mid-August to come up. And so Connor came up, I think, when he was 15, 16, 17, and 18 years old, played every summer and helped us uh, raise about a quarter of a million dollars every summer. And so I played with Connor as a very young guy, and I can still remember – um, thinking this kid is going to be a great player. And just because he had unbelievable speed, and I'm thinking that that's like scary kind of speeds. First four strides, don't know if I've ever seen faster. Yeah, I mean, like if you say that Connor McDavid can fly, then obviously, you know, that's that's the greatest compliment I think he could probably ever receive, I think, you know. Yeah, you know, I Chuck, I and I'm that's dead serious. Like he he could fly and, and obviously can fly. And the difference between him and me is I I could skate. There's no question about it. And I could skate fast and I I could shoot and all those good things. But I could never skate as fast with the puck as Connor does. Yeah. The puck slowed me down a little bit as it slows everybody down. Yeah, but you get that puck in stride and you're still gone and then nobody can catch it all. And it's, you know, then it's just like me looking in the back of my net, trying not to swear. <laughs> uh, 
One of the things I love playing with you guys is just the the stories that you would have in the dressing room. I mean, it would always be like you, you might lose a skip in your step in your three-on-three rinks. Uh, they're a little smaller, but you all still have the hands. Uh, I love Jarvie chirping in the in the dressing room every single morning if Team Black didn't step up and who was to blame if they did, you know, and that sort of thing. And of all the questions I want to ask you as well, as a kid, you know, there's a hamster wheel in my head going around. But uh, the one I think that I, I think most people want to hear is uh, – Obviously, as a as a professional, you know, at the elite level of the game, you get to play with the Capitals, and obviously, on with the other teams that you play with as well. But um, even at that level, there, you're still not peaking out until you get to 1987 and you get the Canada Cup mm-hmm. team. And I know, just from speaking before in the dressing room about what that meant to you, and, and playing with the elite of the elite of the elite against the elite of the elite of the elite as a as a professional that you are the consummate professional. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about that experience, your, your basic memories from the 87 Canada Cup, your takeaways, and uh, and what you felt about playing with the best of the best and, and, and playing with them and, and being there. Yeah, like the 87 Canada Cup, uh, it was the best team that I've ever been part of, um, best hockey that I've ever been part of, um, and best overall experience from the standpoint of um, – just kind of where it was in the game as well. You know, you had Wayne Gretzky at the very top of, of his game. You had uh, a younger Mario Lemieux coming in that had great individual success, but hadn't taken his game to the next level. And watching him uh, watch Wayne Gretzky just carry himself and practice and play and watch Mario become the player that he eventually uh, became. And then having our surrounding cast, I mean, we were – we were we were quite a mix of different of different players. I remember looking around and uh, during the um, the training camp that we had, and we had a lot of great players, Hall of Famers that didn't make that team. And I looked around and thought, man, I I better do something. I better be a good back checker on this team, or else or else I'm not going to make it. And so by the time we got to the third game, it was a three game series against the uh, the Russians, and each game was six five. By the time we got to the third game. Uh, the, our checking line was me on right wing, Glenn Anderson on left wing, and Mark Messier at center. And that was our checking line. And we, we were checking the, uh, the Russians' top line of Krutov, Larionov, and Makarov. And so anytime they were on the ice, we were generally on the ice. And so um, yeah, I, it, was, it, was, it was great to be able to contribute in that way, which was different than, than the way you contribute with your own team. And, uh, and how that all kind of came together and Mario's winning goal and, um, and the great Dell Howardchuk, uh, who, you know, was a great teammate for us back then, made, paid, played such a big, big part in that series. It was, it was great hockey, very memorable. And, um, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I was part of it. Unbelievable. Look at that team. That is absolutely incredible. Hey, listen, there's a couple more comments. Uh, I, I, Rick has come up. It's actually Lorelai. Oh, sorry. Hi from Lorelai. Mike and Colleen started the Tim Adlam Fund at Hockey Ministries after my brother Tim was killed in a car accident. As a result, our family was able to send several great youth to the hockey camp for many years. This touched so many lives. Yeah, wonderful people. And Tim was a wonderful young man. And it, uh, it, it was great that we were able to help us start that and, and do something in, in his honor. And there were a lot of uh, a lot of kids after that that benefited from that and had a very positive experience at these Christian camps. And uh, it was it was great. Wonderful people. Thanks very much. 
Listen, uh, lots of questions here. Uh, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. He's a big Brady Bunch guy. He thinks you look like Mike Brady. And, of course, with Chuck, we always say to him, he looks like uh, Hartnell. <laughs> it's been a long time since I watched the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Well, he's from Melbourne, Australia, so they don't have a lot to do over there. Uh, boats don't travel that quickly. Hey, what was your favorite stadium to play in, home and away? Yeah, so I mean, playing at Maple Leaf Gardens, it was it was in some ways the best rink because of the nostalgia of it. It really wasn't a very good rink, though. I mean, I can remember how disappointed I was when I got traded to Toronto Maple Leafs, and I went into the dressing room and I kind of went. This is is this the home team dress room? Like this is the home team dress room? I said yeah. It's like wow, that's something because uh, it wasn't very nice, but it was so fun to play at at, uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens just because of the history of it. And then the other one obviously was this was the same on the other side of it uh, was the old Chicago Stadium. Once again, the history of it, how loud it was in there during the national anthem. If you could survive the first five minutes of the game against the Chicago Blackhawks. You had a chance to win, but uh, oftentimes you wouldn't survive that. And just the uh, the atmosphere was great. So two very memorable arenas for me. This just before we bring Chuck up for his last question. This is coming again. we got a lot of people from Australia that know Mike Gardner. Hi, Gooch. It's Marnie. And my question to Mike is, what was your highlight of your hockey career? Marnie's a young lady that just took up the game. Uh, she just turned 13. Uh, she was a netball player. Uh, she never really considered ice hockey. She came to one of our events that we were, and she fell in love with the game. Now everything's ice hockey. There's no more netball. It's all about ice hockey. So what a great question. Thank you, Marty. And do good in school. We need you good. Yes, I've, I've said uh, earlier that I think my highlight would be the 1987 Canada Cup and being part of that uh, Canadian team that won the world championship at that time, uh, the Canada Cup. Um, and then obviously uh, two other events uh, was the Hockey Hall of Fame induction in November of 2001. And then again, getting my jersey retired by the Washington Capitals in 2008 was, uh, those are three real highlights um, for, for me to, to be able to be part of, of those, first of all, that team in 1987 and then the, uh, the accolades that followed and be able to share that with my family was extremely important. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I actually had tears in my eyes watching you get your, your jersey hoisted up in Washington too, because you know, obviously being able to play with you and, and just know you as a person as well, to me, it was just like, yeah, that's, it was real for me. Otherwise, every other ceremony is just some other guy that you just don't know that you watch kind of growing up as well. But you know, knowing your work ethic and your character and uh, that nasty you know, sniper shot of yours, uh, that that was a part of me as well, and to watch Jarvie, you know, with you as well to, to have that hoisted. Um, I got one question left, and I got split between two, and I'm just going to use this one as well because obviously we know that you're with the Hockey Hall of Fame and the board and uh, your contribution there. Uh, but one of the things I love about you, Mike, is that you just do so much work with charity. I mean, you're always involved with kids and, you know, obviously with your faith and hockey ministries and Teen Ranch as well. Um, and I think that's one of the things that players now are starting to adapt to is, is the energy that they get from contribution and having that community. Um, but just speak a little bit to what it means to you to give back to, to kids and watching them grow up and be able to contribute to, um, you know, uh, charities and, and organizations like that. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. I appreciate the comments, Chuck. Um, it, it means a lot. Uh, community means everything to me, and it uh, it does to a lot of players. And I think that as we as we get older, we realize that you know you do, you do nothing by yourself really, and everything is part of a community. And the more you can give the back, uh, the better it is for the community, and and the better it is for you because it it's the way I think we're, we're made. Um, I remember being asked early in my career uh, about being a role model. And, you know, I thought about it and I've heard different comments and different things that people have said about being a role model. And where I landed was that um, I actually didn't have a choice whether I was a role model. Uh, so I was a role model. My choice was whether I was going to be a good role model or a poor role model. And so I chose that I was going to try to be a good role model. And so I think that just spills over into the community. We, uh, I enjoy being part of our, our local community. I enjoy being part of a, a, a slightly larger uh, community as, as well, and, and as well as the hockey community. And I think that is what makes it all worthwhile. Well said. Very well said. And uh, you know what? You're legendary. You do so much for the community, and we can't thank you enough. Uh, but the final part to it, of course, we have to add, I'd be remiss not to ask the question. Uh, listen, Chuck and I both know uh, if we would have had Paul on here, we'd be here for three days because you got so many great stories that we could talk about and so many. Too many, too many, Gary. You know what? We're going to ask a part two one day, if you don't mind, come back and <laughs> tell us some more stories. But we'll stick it to the last one. Obviously, we have to touch upon the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tell us what you think about the Canadian division, obviously what's going on with COVID today, and of course the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, do you like their team? Uh, obviously they have some pretty good players with Austin Matthews and of course Mitch Marner, uh, you know, Tavares, uh, Joe Thornton as an old, uh, an old veteran. And then of course they're in against the Montreal Canadiens who look very good this year. Love to hear uh, how you're thinking the NHL is going so far. Yeah, they do. I think first of all, I think the NHL has done a, a really good job. They did a, a good job with the whole COVID uh, playoff format that happened in the summer, and then starting back up. These are difficult circumstances uh, to to be in. And you know, uh, when when Gary came out and said Gary Bettman came out and said it they would lose less money if they didn't play, I actually do not doubt that one bit. And I think that he's right. But you have to play because. It's a, it's a long-term investment. It's the right thing to do, and it's the right business thing to do as well. And so as part of that, you have to look, because your teams are in both countries, I think the Canadian division is, is the nat, was the natural thing to do, and I think that it was the right thing to do, and it's actually proving to be, to be pretty interesting, um, especially playing against the, a lot of the Western teams. The same thing with them coming to the Eastern teams against each other a lot and there's going to be a little animosity that's going to get built up over the course of the season and I think that as it starts to play itself out I think it's going to be even more interesting you get a team like the Montreal Canadiens who are playing extremely well this year and I think a little bit surprising in in some respects um, Edmonton is going to see how how good they're going to be they had a little bit of a shaky a shaky start um, and so but they have Connor McDavid Drysaddle they have I mean they've got They've got a great nucleus of a team, but I do like I do like our Toronto Maple Leafs. I really do. I like I like the key players that they have. I like the acquisitions that they've made. They've gotten a little bigger and a little stronger. Um, certainly more experience. Uh, I I think picking up Joe Thornton 
it was just a was just a good smart move. Um, I think they've got one of the most exciting young defensemen with Morgan Riley that uh, that's around, and they've got excellent. Uh, I think they've got excellent goaltending. I, I mean, um, I, I really do like their mix. I think it, it's it's going to take a few breaks along the way. It really is, and so I, I like them. I, I like I like what I like what I see. I think they've got a little better. They might still need to do a couple things be before they get over the over the top. But right now, they just need to win the Canadian division, right? But but some of the other teams are proving to be uh, real surprises, and I like the whole idea. Well, as we wrap up, I know Chuck, you have a question. I, I can see it in your eyes right now. No, I actually I'm just. Sitting here like a kid in a candy store talking to Garth online. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask, and what do you think about my flyers? All right, we'll no, leave that alone. I go way back that he hates my flyers, and I get it. So, like, I just let that one. I, I don't hate the flyers, Chuck. It's just you know, it's just you just can't root for everybody, you know. Ooh, I, I, I touched the nerve. Hey, listen, Mike. Thank you so much for taking time out with us. We'd love to have you back. Uh, obviously, uh, being on Gooch Live with uh, featuring Paul Rosen. Uh, it's just so great to have uh, such legendary people like yourself. But what I think is most important, I know everybody's saying how great you are. You are. And that's what's fantastic about it. You're always humble. You guys You're are always very so kind. polite. Very kind. Thank you know very much. You've always got a smile on your, your face. Are those, like We got to ask you, is it real? I guess, as far as I know it is, Carrie. I mean. <laughs> no, your teeth. Oh, gosh, no, no. I lost those a long time ago. <laughs> uh, we're all in the same boat. All right. You've been watching Gooch Live featuring Paul Rosen, brought to you by the good people of Hockey News and Sports Illustrated, and, of course, Paramount Sports Management. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mike Gartner, one of the all-time greatest legends. Listen, Hockey Hall of Famer, you've done it all, and uh, we're so glad that you were with us. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Gertz. No, well, I Mike, honestly, Mike Gardner. I want to say this one thing so that everybody understands this. There's there's guys that you meet out there that you watch play hockey, and I've met a lot of them. And you know, you chase your childhood, your heroes, and that. Um, Mike Gartner is the one guy I can honestly say that has never disappointed me on any no. level of just he's just. I mean, the one thing if I could think of one word about Gartz, it's gratitude because. He's just so balanced. He's kind. He is just down to earth. He is uh, the advocate for the underdog. He does charity work. Um, you know, he's he, uh, he, he's just one of the greatest guys. Yeah. who just plays hockey really well. Uh, him and Mark Osborne, Wes Jarvis, Chris King, um, you know, those guys there, they're just uh, – I, I didn't do anything – Good in my life to deserve to play with those guys, let alone be their friend. Well, you know, you're you've got a tattoo on the back of your uh, neck. Oh, the the red light. You got it, the red light. Yeah. Hey guys, listen, thank you so much, Chuck. Great job. Uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow. We've got Dave Tiger Williams. That's going to be a show. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I hope Rosie's on because we can talk about our times over in Australia. Here it is. Look at this dude. I'm already scared. He's terrifying. I just never knew what he was going to do. And you know what? People don't understand what a good goal scorer Tiger was. You know, Tiger, when he got traded to Vancouver, you know, was a, was a snipey McSnipey. He was a great goal scorer. He was a great player two-way. 
Well, the all-time greatest thing about him was when he did score, he rode the stick. Remember those V V Vancouver jerseys? Absolutely incredible. Hey, and we had such great comments. And, and you know, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Aaron Kuzak, of course, thank you. Uh, Craig Ehrlich out of out of Chicago, a great A-lister. Thank you for that. And uh, tune in for tomorrow. Can't wait to see this one. Tagger is with us. Hey, tonight at 7 o'clock, I am on with Gary Brazina. He is a concussion expert. You got to listen to this one, a special edition, one-on-one -on -one with Gooch. We're talking everything about concussions, of course, and his medical practice down in L.A. He is an absolute uh, dream to have on. And, of course, I know Scott Holler will be piping in and giving us some uh, questions to ask him. So thank you very much for everybody joining in. Clive, a little let late, but I know you met Mike Gardner at the Leafs training camp when you had the Aussie junior team uh, here. A great bloke, of course, and it was up at the teen ranch. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chuck. Well done. Thank you. Thanks, Val. Thanks, James. And we will see you tonight. Let's play some hockey.